Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Glover's Talk, brought to you by Somerset Live, discussing all things Yeovil Town. I'm your host, Josh Fordham, and joining me this week is sports editor Stephen Dalbiak. Afternoon, Josh. And we've also got Yeovil Town fan Elliot Shoulders with us. Afternoon. Uh, so don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Audio Boom and iTunes, and also check out the Somerset Live website for daily updates on Yeovil Town news. There's a tab there where you can find out all the latest uh, Yeovil Town and other sports news. Uh, well, what a weekend it was for the Glovers. Um, a 3-0 win over Stevenage. Um, quite an impressive performance and one of the best of the season so far. So let's uh, do a Francois Zoko and dive straight into it. Um, so Stephen, what did you make of the performance? Well, superb. And it's the only way you can describe it, particularly in the first half. I think it's your best half of football that you've seen from the oval side in a long, long time. Probably at least this season, if not, you know, b- before that. And... Um, it was just so pleasing to see the way that the attackers all linked up and they all played each other in and there, were, there was nobody in that front four that didn't pull their weight. And I think there was a lot of uh, a lot of people perhaps a little bit concerned when uh, Darren Way went for his attacking lineup as he did because uh, there was, you know, Zoko, Olomola, Saruj and Otis Khan all on, on the pitch and you were thinking, hang on, has he maybe gone a bit too far here in trying to um, take the attack to Stevenage? But it worked superbly in Stevenage with a defence didn't know how to handle them from the moment that um, Surridge put them in front with a really, really good finish. Um, it looked like Yeovil were going to steamroll them and um, it could have been 5 or 6 nil up at half-time. You know, it was that good. And it's really pleasing to see that because at home, Yeovil have got a good record. Their performances maybe haven't always been to that level, but they really are beginning to pick points up now. And you can see in terms of the table, I think it's the sixth best home record they've got now. So... It's boding well, and um, if they can continue that up, that that, that, that sort of performance at Hewish Park, I think it's it, it can only be a good thing going forward. Absolutely, and um, yeah, there's some real quality goals as well from from Yeovil. Um, Elliot, I'm going to turn to you now. What what did you make of the sort of the overall performance, and particularly the the performance of the um, of the front the front men? Um, I thought it was much unlike Yeovil. It was very attacking. Like normally, Yeovil normally renowned for being like very passive, passing around, not really having many attacking op- opportunities and chances so I'm, I think it was four, four shots on target and three of them went in within the first 25 minutes so for those for those three goals to go in it's very unlike Yeovil but it's always a positive. Yeah absolutely and um, do you think this maybe would be a bit of a turning point this season? I mean it's a much improved performance than, than previous weeks and um, I suppose Darren's got to take a bit of credit for for that. The defending seemed to be a lot a lot better, um, and the, the strikers sort of all performed as well. Can this be sort of what kicks them forward? Well, if everyone stays fit and we don't get stupid sendings off like Zocco <laughs> and Olimelo, we yeah, it should be. And Downway keeps the attacking opportunities fastened, and Skiverton does well with the defensive because that's been like the main problem of Yeovil. Even though we had a clean sheet on Saturday, that's been the main problem. So. If it's all well and good, we should be okay. Yeah, and we've we've mentioned it on previous podcasts as well that when the overall go in front, they sort of generally do do quite well. It's when they concede early and then they go behind. And also, Stephen, what Stephen touched on earlier, um, the home form has been tremendous this season. And they're, if you're just taking home form, they'll be in the top six and be fighting for playoff places. But it's away from home where they've got the second worst record. Um, I mean, what difference do you think, Stephen? Is playing at home making for the Oval I think just at home they look a completely different team they look much more confident they look much more willing to go forward and take the game to your position which they haven't always done away from home they've 
they've tended to sit back a bit. They've been undone by numerous set pieces, particularly away from home, and that's really been a weakness. Certainly in the first few away games, that was something that was really hurting them. And there's also, I think, that element of when you come up against physical teams like we've seen against um, Newport and against Grimsby, that they've been far too easily bullied and, and out-muscled, and that's something which they can't continue to do away from home. I think it's a good opportunity now because they're in the middle of a run of three straight home games, which um, the Chelsea game may have been a checkered trade trophy game, but it was a good performance. Um, Saturday was superb. And um, there's the opportunity um, this Saturday coming at Southend in the FA Cup to um, to really go out in a game where there's not a huge amount of pressure, but just to try and replicate that kind of performance. And it's a bit early to say whether this is going to be the turning point or whether Yeovil are going to go on a run now because we've seen impressive performances at home, particularly against the likes of Accrington and Coventry and they haven't followed that up and that's something they do still need to try and find if they're going to climb the table. But I think certainly from from a home perspective, I mean, it, it's, you, you go into games at Hewish Park and you're you're expecting Yeovil to get something from games, which for a long time, and particularly over the last three, three years or so, hasn't always been the case. And that, that's... That's refreshing to to see as a as a fan and as somebody who goes to the games um, on a regular basis. Yeah, it's quite remarkable the the difference that the the, the team seems to have uh, at home and then away from home. They they seem to capitulate a bit defensively away from home, but Huge Park is starting to become a bit of a fortress. Which is if they are going to push themselves up into mid table and a bit higher up the league, that's what you need to do and make your home grounds the the fortress it's, it's drastic the, the number of the difference in the number of goals you have conceded at home and away I think it's only six at home and but, but away the Barnet game where they drew one all I think it was the first away game in the league all season where they conceded less than two goals and I think that's a real that's a real damning stat really if you're looking at where things are going wrong away from home I mean you have to look at that and think that defensively there's a lot of work that needs to be done away there were signs I think of improvement at Barnet but it's about doing that consistently and making sure that the team can can go away and have that confidence to sort of in, in defence and attack um, on on the road and um, to, to treat it if they can as well as a home game mm, absolutely and I was quite impressed with the quality of the finishing as well from uh, for all, all of the oval goals really was um, were, were outstanding I mean Elliot do you think that's what the the team was missing sort of towards the end of last year and that's perhaps what has improved um, sort of in recent games. Yeah, because realistically, probably last last striker we really had who scored on numerous opportunities that he's given Ishmael Miller and that was three years ago. Mm-hmm. That's when we were in the Championship and because I think it's dampened, we haven't had that. That's probably why we haven't been, been doing too well in the league. So for having multiple scores, I think... I'm pretty sure Zocco's on five, Khan's on five, Sajid's on four, Olomo's now on six, seven. seven. So for everyone to be on high scoring compared to the couple of seasons before, it's always positive. Yeah, and it's nice to see sort of the goals. Um, there's not one person, I guess, running away with it, but it's um, they're all getting on the score sheets. And um, yeah, it's uh, like we like we said before, it's it's not got the scoring goals that have been the problem. It's the conceding them at the other end, and it's uh, well a clean sheet against Stevenage. Um, which is all things pointing in the right direction. Um, I mean, what we should talk about next were the uh, were the red cards. Three red cards in the game. Um, we'll take the first incident um, where 
both a Yeovilltown player, um, fellow Olamola and a Stevenage player, were sent off um, for a mass brawl. Um, it's quite difficult to see exactly what went on there, but Stephen, what sort of vantage point did you have? Um, were you able to see what happened? Almost identical to what the TV pictures show. Unfortunately, I was as I operate a live blog, I was sort of typing and I only saw the initial sort of part of it out of the um, corner of my eye. But um, I think what's happened is that there's obviously been a, a tussle between... Um, Olamola and um, Joe Martin, the Stevenage left back, and um, in that there's there's probably I mean I don't want to say for definite because they will have appealed it and we can't know for for certain, but the referees obviously deemed some kind of kick to have taken place there, and um, I think the fact that there was a that it did escalate into a brawl probably does say a lot because if if nothing had happened, it's very difficult to see that kind of thing thing blowing up. And it's disappointing because olamoli has been such a brilliant player so far this season. He's made such an impact and you're now looking at the prospect of three games without him. And um, it's a real shame when you've got somebody who is scoring goals and who is making such a big impact on the team to, to be without him for not just the FA Cup game, but two potentially big games that Carlisle and, um, and Swindon um, will be, really. Yeah. What did you make of it, Elliot? Do you think it was deserving of a red card or do you think... Fellow Olamola can be a bit feel a bit hard done by. Well, um, well, I was sat, I was in Augusta West, and so it was the nearest stand to when it was happened. It was literally on the dugout, so I was quite close to it. But because there were so many players, you couldn't really see what's happening. Mm-hmm. In my personal opinion, I thought Joe Martin should have been sent off, not not just been deemed a yellow card. So I thought when Olamola got given the red card, I thought it was very, um, I'd say, a wrong decision by the ref. To be honest, yeah. Yeah, and the thing is that sort of the issue I have with it is the overall coasting the game at the moment. There's just no need for it. For if if fellow has got involved in something there, why it's just mm. no point. He's 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 got a goal, then he just doesn't he doesn't need to do it. He's he's on a good run of form at the moment. It's just stupidity that could see him banned for three games now. It's such a shame because you free no up. All you have to do is stay calm, keep your head, and the game will come to you. And Stevenage had to use up all their subs by the 50th minute. So there was, there was not a prospect of Stevenage being able to throw strikers on in the last 20 minutes to try and rescue something because they'd used up all of their options. Mm-hmm. I think it's a it's a shame. I think, you know, to say one thing in the defensive Olomolo is he is still young, he's inexperienced. It's his first season playing professional football and I think you know when you have players who are young and you see it you see it at every level I mean just a good example is Deli Alley at Tottenham he's shown that kind of side to his game and um, it's something that he'll learn from mm. no doubt you know he he providing the appeal doesn't succeed and I think it's quite unlikely that it will you know give him time to reflect to learn from what's happened and hopefully he'll come back a better player and nine times out of ten when a young player does end up in an incident like that and is banned they, they come back and they learn from it and that's hopefully what will happen in this case. Yeah, absolutely. You, you don't want to discourage the sort of aggression in his game. Um, you don't want to sort of lose his sort of attacking threat because of it. But yeah, it's just... I think, yeah, those things do just come from experience. Um, he's got to recognise in those situations where perhaps just don't get involved in that sort of thing. But he's young. Um, but it will be a big <clears throat> a big loss to Yeovil. I mean, Elliot's if he is banned for three, potentially four, if the FA deem it to be a frivolous appeal, um, what sort of loss do you think he'll be to uh, to Yeovil? Um, obviously, Massive, he's our top goal scorer. Obviously, being top goal scorer, people look up to you. So, I mean, you've got people like Khan, 
putting in the right balls because he's a top assist. Everyone needs someone there. Like Saj obviously shown it on Saturday, but we're not guaranteed he can do that for the three games he Olamelo might be out for. So yeah, it's a bit big loss, I think. Yeah, absolutely. We've said multiple times um, before if there is a potential that he won't be with Yeovil Town past January, and to lose him for. Th- uh, at least three games if this appeal is unsuccessful and it's going to be a huge huge loss I think, to the team. I think what you've got to hope for is um, yeah, if this appeal isn't successful you've got to pray that the game on um, Saturday is a draw and it's a logistical nightmare for those of us who'd have to go to Carlisle on a Saturday and Southend on a Tuesday mm. but if you if you think about it, you know if that does come to it and it's a replay, then it will only be one league game for they'll miss. So that's probably best case scenario from a from the overall point of view because you want him in the team. You know he's one of the first names on the on the team sheet, and um, for Yeovil to face two games and two tough games as well without their top goal scorer and probably mm. best player so far this season, it's uh, it's going to be a blow for them, no yeah. doubt. And he's he's been getting a lot of minutes in the team and he's been scoring consistently as well to then have that potential sort of three games without playing any minutes and just being out of the team being out of the rhythm could affect his sort of I don't know his confidence maybe or just um, sort of the sort of just consistency that he's been putting in um, so there was also a second red card for Yeovil during during the game as well um, Francois Oko was uh, sent off for um, a quite high challenge which um, justifiably so from, from my perspective um, Elliot, you must have had a good sort of um, view from it. Red cards looked pretty. Um, yeah, it was a definite red card. It was actually direct in my eyesight. It was it was a bit stupid because it was last last ten minutes. You're winning three in the last ten minutes. Stephen is already down to ten men. Yeovil in control of the game. It's going to be a win anyway. So I don't know why you need to feel the need to get sent off. It was just the way he like raised his leg so high. It's just. Really stupid from my perspective. Yeah, he just as soon as he did it, he sort of raised his hands up and knew what he did. He didn't really seem to complain that much about it, and and rightly so. He should have uh, should have gone. I mean, Stephen, um, he's such an he's an experienced player for Yeovil, and sort of he's been quite a consistent performer. Um, what, what do you think was going through his head yeah, at the that's time? That's what makes it so disappointing because he's uh, he is such a solid performer. He's he is one of the few experienced players in the team, and you'd think as one of the experienced players, having already seen your strike partner get sent off, and you know knowing that there's a high chance he's going to be out for the next three games, he's got to stay on the pitch. And um, I, I can understand the need to make that kind of challenge if maybe you know if the game was level or if Yeovil were behind and really chasing it, then you could maybe understand him doing it. But he was going back towards his own goal, um, Jack King was, and there was no need for him to to do that. The worst that would have happened from that is that. King would have got his head to the ball and headed it back to one of his defenders and then Yeovil could have regrouped and um, and really set themselves up. And um, it's a shame because Yeovil have three out-and-out strikers in their squad and two of them are now out for, mm. for three games, you're thinking. And as well as Sam Serridge played, and he, he was outstanding on Saturday, I felt, it's, it's a big ask for him to come in and lead the line on his own for three matches because he hasn't done that yet. I don't think he's started a game as a lone striker. Mm. And it's his first um, stint as a football league player as well. So, you know, you're asking a lot of one player to have to come in and carry that burden, and it's so unnecessary because when you when you have such a good performance like you did on Saturday, all that you want to be able to do is probably go into the next game with the same team and carry on with that momentum. And with two such key players out of that now, you do have to question how much they're going to be able to do that because they're they're going to have to make changes. 
not not just to the personnel, but probably to formation as well. Because mm. if you have one out and out striker, it makes playing with two up front that much more difficult. You're having you're then going to have to ask somebody like possibly Rhys Brown or Jordan Green if he's fit, or maybe Otis Khan to come in and play in what, what to them would be an unfamiliar role. And uh, it's just a real shame because it was such a good performance. But to lose not just Olomola but Zoko as well, it did sort of take the gloss off it. I feel. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was, it was such a stupid decision that he made, and yeah, it's it's going to really hurt you overall. Um, you'd say, luckily, if you're being, I guess, um, sort of completely cynical and league league focused, that one of them is a the FA Cup game, and um, ideally, you want you able to concentrate on the on the league. Um, but we'll talk more about the FA Cup it, um, a little bit later in the podcast. Um, yeah, such a such a stupid decision, and. Yeovil will have to probably make a formation change. I mean, how do you think that they will line up without Olamola and um, Anzoko? Do you think he'll have to change the formation completely um, so Surridge isn't isolated up front? I think it's very difficult to see how, how they can play two up front or if they do, it's going to be with somebody out of position. Um, Sam Surridge did really well. and it's no taking, Don't take that away from him because he fully deserved his man of the match award. That first goal... Where some Yeovil players were pinning for handball, but he had the sort of the street smarts to, to not to not be distracted by that, just to pick up the ball and put it in the back of the net. That was a, a really good piece of play, and also the way he reacted to what was very poor Stevenage defending for that third goal and volley in from a corner. Um, you know, it was superb, and he's really you know I think he's one of those players that once he's given a run in the team, will produce the rewards for you. But I think he he will no doubt be up front. It. It's likely, I would say, to be free up front against Southend. If I had to pick the team with the players that we know are available, I would take a guess that it would be Surridge up front and then Khan and Reese Brown either side of him. I think that's probably what will work given the circumstances. But the problem is, is that you want to have that. You want to have two fit strikers because you want to have the option to be able to play whatever way you like. Mm. And um, if you've only got one striker fit, you really have to play of a lone striker if you want to. Um, if you don't want to have put somebody in an unfamiliar position, and yes, they could do that. But when you're playing a team in a higher division, you don't want to have to do that. You want to be able to go out and play your key players in their best positions and get them to do what they've been doing for you all season. And when you have two players suspended, you obviously aren't able to do that. Yeah, that's right, and um, it just shows how threadbare the squad is as well. Um, that he, Darren's got this situation where two of his key players are going to be unavailable for three games. Um, it looks like, I mean, Elliot, if you were Darren Wayne, you're getting the tactics board out sort of um, the start of this week, getting ready for the South End game at the weekend. Who are you going to be lining up with up front? I'd, I'd probably say what Stephen said, literally go, go for it up front because... We li- unlike Zocker and Olamo, we literally don't have another addition of a s- s- um, frontward striker. The closest is Reese Brown, who can effectively play left forward or left wing either side. But yeah, I'd say for it from. But then that also think about you have to bring extra people on the bench. So maybe weaker side, you never know. Down where you might bring an academy player. So with the both standings off, you never know. It might give a chance for some of the academy mm-hmm. players to play, which is always good. Uh, for the club if you get the youngsters in yeah absolutely and as it's the FA Cup coming up he might he might just do that he might give someone a someone a chance I think um, sort of Sam Sarge has, has earned his place there um, he deserves to to start even perhaps without 
the the sendings off you'd be sort of be entitled to be knocking at Darren Way's door and saying, "Look, I've got a, got two goals there, and I should be uh, I should be in the starting lineup. What more have I got to do?" So he's just got to take this chance, I think, and grab it at both hands and make Olamola and Zoko fight for their places after coming back from yeah. from suspension. I have no doubt that Sarah Draw would have been in that team no matter what. I think it is that, that sort of what what you do in the other positions. I have to have a um, have to say that Matt Worthington as well has been particularly impressive. He came in against Chelsea, he was superb and he was impressive again on Saturday. I mean he's he's been a very good um, addition from Bournemouth. It's taken him like Sarah a bit of time to get into the team but he's another one really, you know, beginning to show his potential. And you've got guys like Alfie Santos who hasn't had a huge amount of game time, but also he came in against Chelsea and um, impressed and maybe could consider himself slightly unlucky that he didn't play from the start on Saturday as well. So there are players who can come in and make an impact. And Jake Gray is probably another one who um, who could easily um, start against Southend. You know, there, there is, for a small squad, there's a good amount, decent amount of depth. And uh, you don't think there's anybody who, if they come into the team, is going to let the side down. You know, if you... you do have that belief in them that they are going to come in and contribute, which um, hasn't always been the case. You've quite often had probably three or four players in the squad who you feel a little bit sort of threadbare, a little bit, I don't want to say deadwood, but people who you don't think will come in and be as good. Whereas now, I think if you do make changes, there are players who can make that difference. Well, yeah, he's got quite a, a small squad, but a, a tight squad and yeah, he looks like he can rely on those players so it'll be interesting to see how they do line up at, at the weekend and um, for the reaction to the, the game at the weekend against Stevenage do check out the Somerset Live websites for all the reaction and uh, comment from, from Stephen um, before we talk about the um, the FA Cup um, at the weekend a bit more in depth um, let's turn to how the ladies are getting on um, unfortunately they did lose 6-0 to Chelsea at the weekend Um Quite a disappointing um, result, but Chelsea are sort of one of the stronger teams in the league, so it was probably expected that that was um, going to happen. Um, but there has been a sort of a bit more development on the um, the news that we uh, talked about earlier on in the season, with them potentially losing their status as a top-flight team um, due to the FA wanting it to become a um, professional-only league. Um, and as Yeovertown ladies aren't fully professional, um, they needed to raise £350,000 to do that. Um, so Stephen, what's been happening with that? There's been a petition signed, um, well, a petition started um, to um, try and make the FA change their uh, change their decision, really. Yeah, this is something which I've, um, which I've come across in social media, um, which is there's a fan group on Facebook called um, FA WSL Fans United, and... Um, they, it's a group of fans of women's football who um, who don't agree and you know share the opinions of many people and that the Oval Town ladies have an epic place in uh, the top flight of women's football on merit and they don't deserve to be booted out because they haven't been given enough time to turn professional by the FA and I think that's a sentiment that, that most people who follow football share. Um, they're petitioning that um, the changes don't happen or at least don't happen in the way that they're being proposed. And um, I think it's good to see, you know, fans, not just of Yeovil, but football fans in general. And this is very much not a Yeovil-centric thing. This is a women's football-centric thing. Mm. Um, basically saying to the FA, look, you know, we're, we're, I, think, I don't think anyone's against the idea of a women's league turning professional because for the game to progress, it's probably something that needs to happen. But it is wrong that teams like Yeovil and like Sunderland, who deserve to be in the top flight on merit, um, potentially in quite 
likely face being um, kicked out because they can't turn professional as quickly as you're being asked to. And um, yeah, so I mean, it's um, it's definitely something which, which we will have um, on on our website in the next 24 hours, and it's something which we will continue to support and um, give publicity to because. Um, it's a real shame because the Overtown ladies have been such a good thing for the town, not just from a football story, but just from a general good news story. And um, it's really a shame that this has happened to them. And um, it, but it, but it is heartening to see the support that they are getting from from people throughout the game, not just people who are fans of the Overtown ladies. Absolutely. And Elliot, it's your first time on the podcast, so I don't know if you've been following the story of um, what's been happening to the to the ladies team, but. They could lose their their status as a top flight team. I mean, what's your take on the situation there? Well, obviously they have to come up with the money to stay professional. But you have to think, if football's done on budget, most teams and most divisions wouldn't be in there. So you wouldn't have Burton in the championship. When they over won the championship, you could say they shouldn't be in the championship. You had Bournemouth when they first went to the Premier League, shouldn't have been in the Premier League. So for being in divisions, it's all done on merit. It's not been done on how much money you spend like obviously you can win titles if you're spending money but then sometimes it could be the opposite so I think they should just stay there if it's done on merit yeah absolutely and so it's a, a absolutely fair point to make that they work so hard to get to the get into the top flight and then to be um, potentially relegated for non-footballing reasons would be um, would be such a shame but as Stephen said um, you can keep up with the latest developments on that on the Somerset Live website um, so before we finish today, we should look ahead to the FA Cup first round at the weekend. Um, it's Southend that um, are first up for Yeovil Town. I mean, I'm going to ask you first, Elliot. I mean, what? How do you rate Yeovil's chances against uh, Southend? Um, there's always a chance of an upset. Like it's not it's not a major upset because they're one league above us, but. You never know, Yeovil could win. If Yeovil lose, it's not the end of the world because they've got other important things to think of, like staying in League 2 or even doing better in League 2. So it wouldn't be the end of the world if they lost, but I just hope they just put as much effort as they possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. And Stephen, um, would you like to see a, a nice cup run this year? Perhaps uh, get into a nice away day somewhere to Old Trafford or maybe something like the Emirates? I'm glad you said that rather than Blythe Spartans, which I thought was where you may have been going for a minute. Um, I think it, it, I think it's always an opportunity the FA Cup. It's um you only have to beat Southend and you're one game away from that potentially you know lucrative tie in as we've seen in the past with the likes of Manchester United and Liverpool. You know it's it's a great great occasion when that sort of thing does happen. So I, I think it's always something worth putting your effort into. It's not worth neglecting it because of what is potentially on offer. I do tend to feel that the league is much more important this year. I think that. The priority has to be to progress in League Two, and um, it, it can be a double-edged sword. Sometimes, sometimes you have a good cup run, you can take your half a ball in the league, which is the thing that, in the grand scheme of things, probably is more important. But I think I think it's a chance of an upset this weekend. I really do. If you look at the um, perform and you look at stats, Yeovil one of the best records in League Two at home. Only lost one game there this season, and Southend haven't got a good away record. I think they've only won two of their eight games away from home, and it's I think it's. In their the away tab- form table in League One, I think it's something like 18th or 19th. So it's not going to be an easy trip for them. It's a long way for them to come. And um, if you overall really, you know, go at them and um, and give it everything, which I'm sure they will be. I'm sure they'll be motivated for it. Then it's the FA Cup. Who who knows what can happen? And um, 
you don't need to um, you don't need to go back far to uh, to remember Yeovil um giant killing exploits. They were so famous for him in on league days. So who mm. knows? Maybe it could happen again. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the pressure is always on the team in the higher division. They don't want to lose to a team a bit lower down. I mean, it's maybe not so much that they're only in a league above, but if sort of you were playing a, a non-league team, then you just don't want to lose, really. Um, I mean, Elliot, were you sort of at any of the the big cup ties in recent years at Yeovil? Um, obviously, I went to the Manchester United one, which was obviously being nil nil at forty five minutes against obviously Manchester United. That's amazing tune, but the one downside of the FA Cup is a couple of years ago when you had Jamie Vardy playing for Fleetwood, and I remember they beat us. I think it was three two at Hewish Park, and that was. That was the first experience of a giant killing for me on the opposite end. So yeah, it wasn't very eventful. Yeah, it's a it's a bit it's a di- bit of a difficult one, isn't it? That when those sort of games come up, um, especially when you're playing lower league opposition, it's one where you you just yeah you hope you don't lose. But then on yeah the opposite end, if you get to play a Man United, it can be really lucrative for the club and a good day out for. I just want to come in and say what what happened to Jamie Vardy. Anyone remember what happened to him? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. Not really, no. No, me neither. Wonder where he's at these days. Um, yeah, I think I think um, I, I think the pressure is all on South End. I think Yeovil can afford to take to sort of treat this as a bit of a free pass. Not in that they should not, you know, try and win the game or not prepare fully and really go for it. But if if um, if they win, it's a superb result for them. If they lose, then it's probably what was expected. And you know, you can't criticise Yeovil if they do lose it because South End of the budget is. He's bound to be bigger, you know. They don't have the the quality of player that Southend are able to attract mm-hmm. because of their league one status. And um, yeah, I think you've just got to go out and enjoy it. And um, and whatever happens will happen. Yeah, I think the worst result would be a draw, though, because then you get have to play a replay, and it's another game added to the season. Yeah. And Stephen will have to go to Southend. <laughs> uh, so it's well, you know, you don't think that's a negative, really? Do well, you? I'm sure you'd. Uh... <laughs> It's a nice, nice day out by the seaside for you. Yeah, <laughs> I think. Um, yeah, I don't, don't really know how how to be able to cope with that because um, that's probably somewhere around a thousand miles worth of round trips in about four days. I would be. Yes. Well, what with uh, yeah, Carlisle coming up. It's a good a job bit. I had my car I had its service a few weeks ago, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Um, so yeah, I think. Well, as as well as that, it's um, just having an extra game as well for the for the squad. Um, that's already a bit sort of a bit thin. Lose a player to injury for a few games, then it just. I think, I think the only upside more. to it is the potential that it will count towards the bans for Zoko mm. and yeah. Onomola. So there is that upside to it, and it would then mean hopefully only one league game that they'd miss. But again, it's whether you weigh that up alongside the, um, the extra game and the extra travel, as you say. So it's a bit of a double-edged sword, I think, it, in in that respect, but. I think it probably wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to get a replay just based on the fact that of what yeah. happened this Saturday. Um, but again, I think you'd always would prefer it to be done in ninety minutes and um, and to see it all all done in one game, really. Yeah, I think I think the fans as well won't sort of start getting excited about the FA Cup until the third round and then the uh, the big teams start um, entering the draw. So um, we'll see how how that go, goes and maybe a, a little a nice little cup run this year will. Uh, will uh, do wonders for for morale around the, the club as well. Um, but we'll see how that goes and 
Um, you can check out all of the uh, latest news um, coming up for the FA Cup game and also a live blog at the weekend on the Somerset Live website. Well, thanks very much for everyone who's joined us today and thanks very much for Elliot for joining us Thank you. as well. And um, uh, thanks again to Stephen. And um, yeah, don't forget to subscribe on Audio Boom and iTunes. So thanks very much for listening. Nu de Samsung S9 Plus. Voor een genadeloos lage prijs. Check tele2.nl voor de beste deal voor jou. Niet omdat het moet, maar omdat het kan.